You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Start playing with some jam in here. Let's go. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. Yes, it is. Episode 7 of Orange and Back Check. Glad you are here. Of course, with me as always, Scott Weinhardt. What's going on, my brother? Hey, Billy, man. Well, let's see. Out of a possible six points, they picked up two. Uh, so, just doing fine. They're doing fine. 20 games in, nothing to worry about. Yeah, I don't think it's nothing to worry about, but I think... Well, no, I, I think there is a major thing that might – that there's there's something building that if they don't address soon, it could become a major problem for this team, and it's these blown leads midway through the second, late in the third, like we saw on Saturday night against the Islanders, giving up a three-goal lead. Yeah, we talked about how good they looked uh, last week with, the, with getting eight out of eight points, four-game win streak, but – there was still that theme of blowing these leads, but their goaltending was good enough that they were able to hold on or or just get the last minute, the game-winning goal to win it in overtime or in regulation. But then in this week, we saw the opposite happen. They had these goal lead, these leads, and then they lost them. And then it resulted in a loss to the Capitals, which they really should have won, in my opinion. I think it was their best game of the week. Obviously, a huge letdown in against Ottawa when you need to win those games. Those teams, when you know they're at the bottom of the the, they're the teams at the bottom of the basement. Like, there's no excuse to lose to a team two to one like that. And then obviously, the Islanders inexcusable. No matter what the lead, no matter if you're on a back to back or not, I just think you got to win those games. Okay, fair point. But let's look at the opposite side of it, Mr. Negadelphia. And the fact that you want to go automatically to, oh, let's blow up the team again. You know, let's change the argument around. Okay. So tell me, when was the last time they did not get a point prior to the game against the Senators? I believe at that point it was seven games. They were on a seven game point streak, eight game point streak. Eight out of the last nine games, they've gotten a point, at least a point. See, so previously, we've always complained about this team not being able to get at least a point and picking up those points that are so important in October and November. Well, when I look at it this way, the team's dropped one opportunity where they could pick up two points or even one point. Yes, this week was rough. Let's go back to the Washington game. They had a very poor first period. They got scored on, okay? And it was one nothing. I think, what, five, ten minutes into the game. Yep. 
And a play, if I'm really going to dive into it and take a look at it, Carter Hart could have poke-checked that puck away, but near listen, he gave up one goal, we're not going to rip him. After the first period, the Flyers came out, and they kept pace with Washington for the second and third. They hit a couple posts. They couldn't get past Holtby until the power play in the third period. I thought the compete level was great. He just couldn't score. That's going to happen. Braden Holpe had not been playing really well up until that point, and that game he played very well. But you also saw in a, what an elite team looks like in a sense where their defense was a little bit faster than the Flyers, their offense a little bit faster. When you have to give the Flyers credit in that game because what was the thing we talked about in our podcast before that game happened? We talked about the Capitals' power play and that coveted shot Ovechkin does off the circle. How many power play goals did they score in that game, Bill? I believe it was – th- oh, wait, it was none. They scored none. Shut them down. No, everybody ha- all season has had trouble shutting down the Capitals' power play. What did the Flyers do? Shut it down. That's not a negative. Okay, they lost in the shootout. Okay, it's going to happen. They're, they're, they're not going to win every single shootout. The fact that they've gotten that far and getting those points is a huge positive. So – I don't have a problem with the fact that they only got one point out of Washington. But even so, when they went into Ottawa, most people say that could have been the worst loss of the week. But you and I talked about it. We predicted it. We knew that was a letdown game. When you looked at the schedule and the town of teams that they were playing against, it's easy to get up for those games. They got up for Washington. They got up for Boston. They got up for Toronto. They got up for Carolina and Montreal. When a bottom-feeding team like Ottawa comes on your schedule like that, it seems like after you beat those teams, for whatever reason, you just they you just start with jump, and then they got one goal, and then they just kind of mailed it in after that. They had a chance near the end of the game with a four-minute power play to be able to get back in it and tie it up, and they weren't able to do it. And believe it or not, it only took two goals on Carter Hart to be able to win that game for Ottawa. There was problems there. There's more that goes into that Islanders loss. While disastrous, there's more to go into it. Because in my view, the way I looked at this, I put that loss on one person. One person only. Who's that person? You're either going to say Brian Elliott or Ale Vigneault. I'm going to blame it on Vigneault. That was a coach's loss that game. And here's why. Yes, they jumped out to a 3 nothing lead through two periods, but they forgot one little thing. The fact that a third period off the back-to-back is the hardest period to get through. you got to grind it out. There was a couple things happening that happened starting in the Ottawa game, which I have a problem with Vigneault. There was no reason to start Carter Hart against a team like the Senators. There was no reason to do it. Yes, he made 17 saves. But that's not enough work for him. That's a game you give Brian Elliott. Let him get in there and get going. I would have totally said, because in the third period of a game where you're coming off a back-to-back, you need your goaltender to be your best player, and you need him to be may come up with the save. Brian Elliott did not come up with a big save in that Islanders game. He did not. At a timely save late in the period, did not come with it. Two out of those three goals were stoppable. So I have a problem with Vigneault starting hard against the Senators and then starting Elliott against the Islanders but the other problem I have with Vigneault and the reason why I put that game solely on him is the fact that in the third period he started jumbling up the lines Jake got benched because Jake wasn't moving his feet because that's what Jake does because frankly he's a lazy ass player (laughs) but at the same time 
There's no reason in a third period of a back-to-back, if you're a coach, I can see it if you're trying to get some jump out of your team. If you're trying to get some jump and get them to compete at that level, that's fine. But in the third period of a game where you're on a back-to-back, you need that consistency and you just got to grind it out. For him to start changing the lines and cause that bench penalty for the Islanders to get back into it, that's on Vigneault. That's on Vigneault. So, it's Brian Elliott not coming up with a save, but it's a bigger problem with Vigneault of putting his team in that situation in the first place. Yeah, I agree. I think what, I, for whatever reason, Vigneault decided that, yes, I think the larger issue of why he decided to change up those lines, you know, which, which was clearly a weird reason, was because he was trying to get chemistry throughout the team, which is you were looking at the wrong time to find chemistry. You don't find it when you're up 3 nothing for chemistry. There's no purpose to it. Because of the lack of scoring throughout every line, especially on the top line with Giroux, Voracek, and JVR, like these guys need to come in and be even scoring, and we're only getting scoring from Travis Konechny, uh, Oscar Lindblom, and Sean Couturier. And that's the issue and why we're seeing Vigneault scramble the lines a little bit, but he decided in the third period to continue to do it. Because he was doing it not as persistently, but he was doing it throughout the... This I felt it was... Throughout this entire week, he was doing it, but prominently in the Islanders game, he was changing up the lines. And for whatever reason, he chose to continue to do it in that third period, to your point. And when you just need to have consistency, especially with Elliott, who is your backup goalie, that is what he is at this point. Carter Hart is your starter, and you should I agree where you should have flip-flopped them, but Brian Elliott is still a moderately good goalie, and that's why he is where he is in this team. Um, like, he should have been able to make those stops in the th- in that third period. There was no excuse. Whether you're changing lines or not, Elliott should have came up with those saves. And that's my point. Why even start the guy if you know Carter Hart's your starter? If you're going against a team at second in the division, you don't start your backup. You, you, you don't. You don't. I mean, hell, I, I don't coach at the pro level, but I have coached in the past. And, and the point I look at is that, if I'm going against a team that I know is better than mine, that I want my best players out there and I want my best goalie out there and I want my best players to be able to come through. The problem is, I think that you talked about a couple seconds ago was the fact that the Flyers need more production from some of their bigger names. Let's run off a couple numbers here, some things that are disappointing. And surprisingly enough, this has been a line. I think this is where there's more to it than just meets the eye. So, with JVR, he's got three points in his last 10 games, a goal and two assists. He's even, but he's only got four goals and five assists on the season. This is this is, All these players have played 20 games so far. Kevin Hayes doesn't have a point in his last 10 games, and he's a minus eight. And Jake has three assists, and he's a minus three in his last 10. Jake's only got 13 points on the season through 20 games. I don't know why $7.25 million, they're paying him that much. <laughs> and he also got benched on Saturday night. He he stopped moving his feet. He stopped skating. He kind of mailed it in for two nights in a row. So he's just coasting through right now. That Those three guys have kind of been on a line together. I don't see the chemistry there, so I can see why they want to flip it up a little bit. I don't see a chemistry with having two bigger guys, as far as Kevin Hayes, who's a 200-foot center, JVR, who's a net front presence, and Jake, who has probably some of the worst hockey sense I've ever seen. I'm not going to go on a continue or Jake rant because it's just what I'm seeing out there is that there's there's not enough chemistry and not enough skill set for those guys to be able to work together, which is why I think they brought up Morgan Frost. 
I think it's going to add the element that they need possibly to play with. If you put a guy like Morgan Frost with Jake and Kevin Hayes, that's going to be a better line for you. But then also that's going to mess things up otherwise because what are you going to do with JVR? You're not going to bump Limblom from the third line because he's your top goal scorer so far. So I wonder if they have a little bit too much here from what they need. And maybe they can trim off a little bit of fat at the end of the meet. I, I don't know. I think that there is something here that needs to be done. Morgan Frost will add a spark with his offensive skill. I think there needs to be more done here. There might be a puzzle piece or two that they have too many. So uh, with talent like Morgan Frost, once he gets settled, are you going to really need another JVR type player? Or are you going to need another Jake player? Are you going to be able to dump that contract? I think that says a lot for this organization to just go ahead and just bring up Morgan Frost now. I'm excited for Morgan Frost. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think this is going to fix anything because, as you alluded to, our top players are not scoring, including our captain, who has two points in his last six games. 13 in the 20 games that he's played. Claude Giroux needs to step up. I know we have hammered home time and time again on this podcast that he's not the goal scorer that he's mislabeled as, but he is the creator on this team. And if he's not creating, then you get results like what we saw on Friday night and Saturday night. Ignore Wednesday night because you're going into Capitals, and even though we had predicted that they were going to win that game, that was a steal-it game because we anticipated them to lay flat against the Ottawa Senators. We got one out of two right. They laid flat against the Senators. Claude Giroux needs to step his game up, and I'm tired of like just like not saying that he's being excused because he's not, but I don't think he gets enough criticism. Compare it to Carson Wentz after last night's game against the Patriots. He's getting absolutely hammered, and rightfully so. Well, the same thing needs to be said for Claude Giroux. If this guy, who is the captain of the team, and I know we've said time and time again, the captain is not as important as what it was, but he's still the leader and the end-all, be-all best player on this team. If he's not scoring, we get results like we have the last two games. Okay, all right. So, if you're going to really go the route of starting to make football comparisons and we're going to digress that way, okay, so let's do this. How was Carson Wentz in his first four games? This season? Yes, this season. How? How? He was fine. Okay, I was fine. All right. So, 13 points through 20 games because if you're going to relate this to football, they're 20 games in. It's like having right. a 2-2 two and two record, okay? So, stop the nonsense. Let's not compare apples to oranges and Wentz to Giroux. Giroux is always prone to slow starts. It's been like that on his career. He will pick it up. He always does. 13 points through 20 games for him is not that bad. Yes, two in the last six is not that good for him, but... He's not the end-all, be-all of this team now because other guys are picking up. Limblom scoring. Konechny scoring. You have other guys who are chipping in as well. So let's not sit here and say, oh, because Giroux's not scoring. Oh, must be he's not. He's got to get the criticism. No. Well, when you have a guy making seven and a quarter million who's minus three and only has three assists in his last ten games, that's a guy you criticize. When you have a guy who's making seven million dollars and is supposed to be your second-line center who has no points and he's minus eight when he's supposed to be a 200-foot player, that's a guy you criticize. And when you have a guy who's also making about $7 million, JVR only has three points in his last 10 games, those are the guys you want to criticize, not Claude. You don't need to criticize Giroux for having 13 points and two in his last six because that's nonsense. Um, Okay, I, like that's fine, but if, but if we're going to 
criticize Kevin Hayes and JVR and and the Jake Voracek, who I think if Chuck Fletcher is not on the phone, if he's not just fishing for offers on Jake Voracek, I'd be shocked. Jake Voracek will be the first guy out if he can unload that contract. As you alluded to, that he's making seven plus million dollars on his contract this year and throughout. I think his contract is good for another three or four years, if I'm correct. I, I don't have his contract in front of me. But we're going to criticize everyone. You have to criticize everyone. It's not just JVR, Voracek, and Kevin Hayes. And Kevin Hayes started out hot. We were both over the moon and shooting down all the haters about how we ha- they hated that contract. Kevin Hayes is a solid player, 27 years old, and he just needs to find his groove. He's having this situation of just in a cold streak. And you can say the same for Claude Giroux over these last six games, and that's fine. But... It's weird because we're in this pickle of how weird hockey is in terms of the ebb and flow. We talked about flow all the time, and you had a great flow over the last four games last week when you had that four-game win streak against Carolina. They played Montreal, and like they had a really solid week. And then they have these letdowns, which is like typical flyers of the 2000s to have these letdown weeks after such strong weeks. And we talked about how the Flyers are fun again, and, and I'm not saying they're not fun again. They're playing fun hockey. It's not like they're boring hockey games that they're losing. They're fun hockey games that they just end up on the wrong side of the coin. At some point, things are going to click. I'm not saying abandon ship 20 games in, because that would be asinine and insane. But it's just frustrating because it's more of the same that we've had for the better part of this decade with the Flyers ever since 2012. I disagree wholeheartedly because the past decade, they wouldn't have gone and made a move like to bring up Morgan Frost. They wouldn't have done it. They have not done a move like that since Claude Giroux. That I agree with. The fact that we're there, and Chuck Fletcher had said this, the general manager had said over these past six, the first six weeks, I think we're past that if my math is correct, we might be in week seven, but like it doesn't matter. As long as Chuck is making moves to correct a problem that he is seeing in some capacity, calling up Morgan Frost, making a trade, calling up Morgan Frost continuously is the solution. But you alluded to it on our preseason podcast. They're loaded at every position, it seems, from center to winger to goalie. They're loaded, and goalie is loaded, but it's a good loaded. There's, It's not a problem that they have a solid starter in Carter Hart and a great backup in Brian Elliott. But when you have these center problems, that's when you're seeing, and they're not producing problems, that's the issue here. That's when problems arise, like we had these last two games, and really three games, where you're now on a three-game quote-unquote losing streak, despite getting these two points out of it. It's, it's a problem that most Flyers fans are looking at and going, I've seen this before, and it's not changing. I really think this week was a hiccup. That's the best way I can describe it. It really, really was a hiccup. This team's going to rebound. I I have no doubt in my mind. Morgan Frost is going to add a little more offensive spark. You're going to see it. He's going to come out with jump. Farabee didn't have a good game against Washington. Now he's going to come out. He's going to play better as well. You're you're still kind of young enough where they're going to have these ebbs and flows like this. But as I talked about last week, last week we talked about just enjoy it when they do well. But we're also in November. We're also in November. Let's take a step back here. We don't want this team to be super hot right now. We want them to pick up every point as possible. They've had points in eight out of the last nine games. You can't ask much more from your hockey team that is still growing and gelling together. You can't ask more than that. 
They were getting the points that they were leaving on the table in years past. You have a management and a coaching staff here that is making the changes that are necessary in order to keep it going. You sent this to me earlier. Vigneault said he really likes JVR, Kevin Hayes, and Jake Voracek's people. But they need to produce on the ice. And that is key. We've never seen that accountability where you're going to take a guy who's making seven and a quarter million this season and say, your ass is going to stay on that bench because you're not playing as well as I know you can play. 100% agree. And also with Fletcher making the moves to bring up a young guy, they don't care if he's quote unquote not ready. They're going to let him learn on the fly. The, the, they're making changes and they're doing things the way they need to do them in order to get this team going. I guarantee you that Fletcher is on the phones trying to wheel and deal with something. Maybe unload a contract. Maybe it's a JVR type. I doubt they would get rid of him now because they just brought him back. But a guy like Jake, he could probably bring some stuff back. And a deadline deal, if you're close or if another team puts up enough offer, you you might get something for him. I don't know if they're going to do it now or in the offseason, but if Jake doesn't step up, and I've said this on many podcasts, this will be his last year in Philadelphia, and praise the Lord if it is, because (laughs) I am sick and tired of seeing a, sorry, a player with Jake's ability waste his talent because he's frankly lazy. And once you have a guy like that off your team, regardless of his skill set, and you bring in some fresh blood and knowing that a guy who's been there for a long time, whoa, they're going to shake it up that much, then yeah, then that'll get the team really, really going. Who knows when that's going to happen? But the point is they're doing the right things they need to do now. You have a GM in here who's trying to win, not trying to, oh, let's let's do analytics and and, and certain salads and foods you can't eat after the game. With all due respect to Ron Hextall, I respect the man, but – monitoring a player's food that he eats after the game and worrying about the catering when you, and let's not bring in the guy too soon because he might be too young and we don't want to stunt his development. I'm sorry. Let him, if the guy's good enough, he'll be on the team. If Morgan Frost is going to be good enough, he'll keep a spot on this team. Farabee is showing to show that he's going to have ups and downs. We've seen it with Carter Hart, but the point is they're letting the guys have a shot at this and it's going to push some of these old guys out who are saying hey if you're not going to put in the effort we're going to bring up people who are going to come take your spot it's not like oh let's let's coddle him like dave hackstall well he's going through a rough time right now and and let's see about we'll break out of it in the next couple games and rah rah yeah let's keep it going no these guys are like hell no if you're not producing i'm going to bring up a guy and if he produces then you're gone i love that i love that if you're not going to produce you're gone so what I'm trying to say out of all this is that let's not talk about, oh, Butcher should be doing this. and this. this team is being held accountable for what they're producing on the ice. And if Vigneault is going to go as far as saying, I really like the guys, but they need to produce on the ice, that's exactly what you want to hear from your head coach. And because of that, I'll forgive him for his total mess up with the Islanders game and the Senators game. It's a great take. Like, I don't disagree because – the difference that we're seeing with AV now compared to Dave Haxtell, especially was, like you alluded to, their coaching style. If Goss Despair was having a rough go at it and not producing like he was, and he's still struggling, 
what the difference between D- Dave Haxtall and AV is Dave put him up in the bench, or excuse me, up in the suite to sit and do nothing and just pretend that that is develop that's helping his development. AV is sticking it out with these guys, and yes, he's calling up the players, or Chuck Fletcher's calling up the players when need be, but they're not just getting rid of the player and thinking, oh, this will help him sitting up in the suite watching from the top, thinking that's somehow going to help them get out of their funk they're in. These guys need to be playing, and that's what you're seeing with Morgan Frost. Claude Giroux is going to continue to play. He's not getting benched anytime soon. JVR is not getting benched anytime soon. None of these guys have a threat of being, hey, you're going to get, they might get less ice time. That's a certain possibility to an extent, but they're not going to be benched like Dave Haxtell was doing, with, especially with the young guys, and that's a good thing because the best way in hockey, and you know especially, the best way to get, get out of a funk in hockey is to keep your feet moving, get out on the ice, and see what you what you can make, make yourself at. Yep, and Billy, that's a fantastic point that you bring up as well, is especially because there's one thing I didn't add into this, is that let's, let's remember that this is Vigneault's first year with pretty much everybody minus Kevin Hayes. So mm-hmm. it's his first year getting to know these players and how they play. By the time you talked about getting the system down last time, about Christmas time, Probably a little later on. By the time the season's over, he's going to know these players in and out like the back of his hand. So going into next season, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves, but the point is is that going into next season, he's going to have a better idea of what each player is capable of doing, and he's going to know which ones he's going to want on his team. So that's a very, very good point you bring up. This is Let's take that into consideration as well, that Vigneault's still trying to see what buttons he can push see what exactly he can do and work with on the ice. So a little bit is still feeling out. Yes, we're only 20 games in, but it's still kind of feeling out with that. So that's a very good point you bring up with that. And also, also the different style you have too is that Vigneault, <laughs> you've seen it already, holding them accountable. And I don't think some of these guys who've been coddled for the past few years have been used to that. 100%. Now I'm going to bring up an interesting stat before we turn into this week against Florida Tuesday. I looked up this stat. It took them till game 22 to get win 10 this time last year. They already got 10 wins, 17 games in the season. Take that with what, what you will, but that's a good sign of growth and development. Here's the problem. To my point, where I said it's more of the same in terms of these losing streaks and hot streaks of the Flyers. For games, we just get crossed game 20. They were on a th- they're on a three-game losing streak, technically, but they have two points. Games 18, 19, and 20 this time last year, they were also on a three-game losing streak. They lost the next game, game 21, to go to a four-game losing streak. This is my point about how they're more of the same despite the regime. They always seem to have these, like, ebb and flows around the same time, it feels. Obviously not exactly the same. This is just a particular instance where they're the exact same so if my money's right i'm taking the panthers tomorrow night you make a fair point because it's the truth it always seems like right around this time of year as far back as i can remember no matter what they always kind of hit this wall around that time of year it's the strangest thing it's the truth i can remember watching games when i was a kid and just being like man like they just they can't seem to get a win out of this and i remember i'll never forget i'll never forget that there was one game where I'm watching Comcast Sportsnet or something, way back in the day, during like Sports Rise or something, and Ooh. they were talking about 
how the Flyers are playing well. And I think I had to be like 14 or 15 at the time. I was a little bit older, but I remember watching, I'm like, what is this guy talking about? They're not playing well at all. Like, they're not, they might have points in the game, but they weren't. And I'll never forget, they went into a game against Montreal. And I believe it was Justin Williams who got on a breakaway in overtime, kind of fell down and still put it over Jeff Hackett with like a couple seconds left. (laughs) And it was like, Whoa, like I remember watching that. I'm like, I can't believe they just scored that. Like it, 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 he just blew it past Jeff Hackett. And I remember because after that, I'm like, okay, that's when you start to see, okay, that was that turning point for them to get over that slump that they had. But you're right. It happens every year. It happened in 07, 08. They just had these bad losses. They were in, they were losing a lot around this time in 2009, 2010, but every year, like, you can count back up. It just it happens. The only time they haven't really lost in November too much was when they were in the lockout for obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> but, That's a little bit skewed, yeah, obviously, but right, it, it, it's right. a great point. Yeah. So let's turn to this week. I think I think this is an interesting week. They have two playoff contender, or really three. It's all three. Calgary Flames are. I keep forgetting that Calgary is actually a pretty good damn hockey team nowadays compared to years past. But this is not that easy. They have two on the road. And then they have Calgary at, at home on Saturday. And it's their first true afternoon game on Saturday against Calgary. Obviously, we watched the game on the home opener at 2 o'clock uh, against Chicago. But they it was really a night game for them because they were in Prague. So this week is their first afternoon game of the season. Going off what I remember, they suck at the afternoon games in, in recent past. So I'm nervous about that. Florida, I think you had alluded to, they're not good against Florida these last couple matchups. I, I'm not feeling good right now about how this team is going to... I I don't disagree that this was a hiccup, but I don't know how long the hiccup is going to last. No, I think actually if any game I'd be nervous about this week would be Calgary. And it's weird. They always play Calgary at home on a Saturday or right around Thanksgiving at home. And hometown boy Johnny Goudreau comes home. That uh, They'll come home. But Calgary's not playing well. They're 10-10-3. They've lost four in a row. I think that this is exactly what they need. I think that there will be lessons learned from that Islanders loss, whatever it may be. You're going to see Carter Hart probably go off against uh, Sergei Bobrovsky last night. Something I'm going to mention in the preview too, but it's amazing to me. The Flyers, since trading Sergei Bobrovsky in 2012, have faced off against him 17 times and only have four wins. Now, Bob's having an awful season so far. His goals against average is... Not that good. It, it's really bad, actually. He's actually, right now, he sits at 16-7-4, which is a respectable record, but he's given up 54 goals through 17 games. Goals against average at a 3.53, save percentage at 882. So that investment they have in him isn't paying off so far. But Sam Montebal, their backup, has played six games. He's 4-3-1, allowed 15 goals in six games played. Goals against average at 296 and a save percentage of .903. So their goaltending is a little bit suspect, but their offense is actually really carrying them because Jonathan Huberto has 27 points in 20 games, and Alexander Barkov has 25. So through 20 games, they have two guys combining for 52 points, and they're they're pretty well they, – they roll – it's not so much they roll four lines very well, but they have a lot of offensive ability. They play kind of similar – to how Carolina does. They use their speed. They use the cycle. They move the puck around. 
I think the Flyers, the way they played against Carolina before, that'll help them because they're going to play them again this week. So you have two games really where they're really going to have to test their defense and really kind of, I wouldn't say sit back, but they're going to have to really focus in on their defense. Uh, so I'm actually pretty positive about this week. I think that Calgary might give them a little bit of trouble depending on what happens to them this week. They play Colorado and they play St. Louis, two teams that are probably going to, you know, probably take it to them a little bit. So the Flyers might have a little bit of a trap game there. Um, I'm kind of getting that sense. But I really believe that this week is going to pull out four out of six points either way. I don't know what combination it's going to be. I think that they can get four out of the six points here. I do predict that they'll probably lose one game, but I do think that they can win two of these three. It just the, it lines up well enough where enough things can go in their favor. And if Morgan Frost can add that other dimension tomorrow night against Florida, that might work out in their favor as well. So um, I'm not, like I said, this last week was a hiccup. And I really think the only reason why people are saying doom and gloom was because of the fact the way they lost to the Islanders. If they had won that game, guess what? We're having a totally different conversation. They've got three out of six points. And really it was just, hey, they had a letdown game against Ottawa, but they came back and beat the Islanders. Well, they didn't do that. But if we if if that happened, we'd be talking about something totally different. But it's the way they lost. It's kind of like if you if I can make a comparison, it's like how the Eagles lost to the Patriots on Sunday. It's yeah. a frustrating loss because it just whatever because Carson doesn't have any receivers to throw the ball to. That's the problem. And they their defense only gave up seventeen points. The point I'm trying to make is that let's look at the same thing with the Flyers. That was just just a, a game at a couple times a year. Once, two, maybe three times that'll happen throughout the year. They won it when they blew it against Boston. But they really haven't blown too many leads this season. They really haven't. They they battled back and won the ones that they did against the Devils. But that was really the one game that you look at and say, ah, you know, they really should have had that one. But let's give credit to the Islanders. They're second in the division for a reason. They're a really good hockey team. But at the same time, you got to close those games out, but I don't predict that's going to become an every night thing. Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel better about tomorrow night's game on Tuesday uh, against Florida because, as you alluded to, Bob is really struggling. It's crazy. I'm looking at the stats as well. They're second in scoring, and they're second to last in goals against. So they're the exact op, or they're just they're two sides of a balance beam. They're they're that they're. There's two sides of the balance beam on way swinging to one end and the other. And it's like this weird, like, balance effect. And the fact that you have Joel Quinville. Like, the guy that Flyers fans wanted, thankfully it's not at home at the Wells Fargo Center. Who knows what would have happened. Flyers fans probably, despite how good AV is going, I think there's still some Flyers fans that wanted Quinville. AV is just as as good. I think they're going to do fine. Uh, this game, to me, comes down to the defense because, as I alluded to, this team, the the this team, the Florida Panthers, are very, very good offensively. You need a full sixty minutes from Niskanen, Gossespierre, Provorov, everyone top to bottom on the blue line. The offense production, I think, will happen, especially because you're probably going to go against Bob, and they are really struggling. And as long as you can, and I know we alluded to how we need more production out of these players from Shane Goss, or excuse me, from JVR, Jake Voracek, Claude Giroux, tomorrow night, you can get away with getting one more just from uh, Couturier, Lindblom, and I'm going to say it. We're going to get Morgan Frost goal tomorrow night. Oh, big buddy prediction. I, I love this kid. I'm very excited. I've been, I was really hoping that Morgan was going to be on the team 
opening night in Prague against Chicago, but obviously circumstances, whatever, uh, with how these contracts work and how juniors, young players, entry-level contracts, that's an off-season podcast. But, like, I like this kid a lot. I think he has shown a ton of promise down in the juniors and the AHL. I'm excited. I think he's going to get his first goal tomorrow night. See, one thing one thing about Florida Bill is that they're a team you have to outscore. It, but that, but that's not shocking. Yeah, <laughs> oh, wise ass. <laughs> yeah, they're a team that they're going to go full offensive mode. They just all they do is they try to outscore teams, meaning that they don't focus too much on defense, even though they have Aaron Eckblad, who is probably one of the top uh, young defensemen in the league. I would say definitely top five young defensemen. Keyword young there. So um, there is definitely a team that they have to kind of outscore. So they're going to give up goals, but you got, and it's obviously not the obvious they got to outscore them, but they've, they've got to keep that pace. So if, if Florida gets one early, they got to get one back. Early. They got to keep that pace up because Florida will give up goals, but they've got to keep up with the pace of it. Um, Carolina, you know how they play. If, if you sit in your lanes and you take away the passes and don't let you get, don't let you get beat off the rush, you have a good chance to beat Carolina because Again, we saw the last game the Flyers played against him. Peter Mrazek is a questionable goaltender. He's he's good, but he's also bad. So they have a shot there. And then Calgary this year, they're not playing up to the par they did last year. They haven't really been the same team since they got blown up by Colorado last year. So even leading up to that, they were still kind of sluggish. So Calgary, they have a shot there, but... For whatever reason, the teams in the Pacific Division, the Flyers have always had trouble against them. Uh, San Jose was one of them. Calgary is one of them. They, they, Los Angeles is another one they have problems with. Anaheim. For whatever, that division just is their Achilles heel, and that's that would be two important points to pick up if they can. Uh, but still, as I said, I, I still see a four-point week. They're going to drop one somewhere here directly. Yeah, um, to wrap this up, I'm going – three points. I think they're going to get 50% of their potential points this week. I'm feeling good, like I said, tomorrow night. I think because of the ebb and flows of how this game is going to go and how Bob is struggling, I think it just favors the Flyers as long as the defense and the blue line shows up. If the blue line shows up and limits uh, Barkov and, and and that team, I think they'll be okay. I'm, I'm so conflicted on how Carolina plays because like you alluded to with the Pacific Division, I think it's just Carolina in general. They've had weird uh, ebbs and flows with, and it just, I think it's an overtime loss to me, another overtime loss. And we didn't allude to it, but they've played a ton of hockey. It's their first weekend not having a back-to-back in, I think, three or four weeks, and that's nice to have. And not only that, they've just had a ton of overtime and shootout games obviously shootouts a little it's obviously not hockey it's it's just you're skating down it with the puck and you don't it's you're not being guarded against anyone but to play 65 minutes in what seems I would say 80 percent 85 percent and have back-to-backs that's a lot of hockey on this team it's good that they don't have a back-to-back this weekend that bodes well for them they just need to get some regulation wins under their belt and I see that coming Tomorrow night in Florida, overtime loss against 
Carolina, and then a loss against Calgary because, like you said, Pacific Division just seems to be that division that they struggle against for whatever reason. Yeah, and, and it's not going to get easier next week either because they have four games next week on the week of Thanksgiving. They've got Vancouver, Columbus, and then a back-to-back. They have the Friday Black Friday game against Detroit, and then they travel to Montreal. So it's not going to get any easier on here on out. On that note, that is going to do it. Scott, you had four out of six points for this week. I have I have three out of six. I'm a little more bearish on how this team's going to really go uh, after a disappointing week. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You get the podcast first each and every Tuesday when we put it out. We always appreciate it. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Every content, as Scott said, uh, our Chalk Talk series is coming probably on Black Friday. We look really look forward to putting that out. Every Tuesday is a new pod. Get it first. Subscribe. For Scott Weinhardt, I'm Bill Kornfeld. Catch you next week. I just completely lost my train of thought. (laughs) 